Welcome, welcome, welcome in to Caleb and Kinney in the morning here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Lots to dive into today on the show. We had comments news that dropped yesterday right at 5 o'clock. Olivier Legault back with the Gays. We'll talk about that after headlines. Uh, just kind of bizarre turnaround after about exactly one week. I will also talk with Comets head coach Jesse Kalicki coming up in hour number two at about 8.05. Also, what really is the biggest issue facing high school basketball? I, I think there are a lot of things that, that people want to debate about, shot clock, seating sectionals. I'm going to go a different direction. We'll get to that uh, this hour. Plus, uh, Rutgers, which we'll get to this in headlines, but Rutgers breaking free of a big problem for the Big Ten. We'll explain what's going on there. Uh, also, in hour number two, IU is set to have a new starting quarterback next season. Who will it be? We'll take a look at some of the options uh, for Indiana. And the NBA in-season tournament court in Vegas causing some issues. So we we saw issues early on, you know, with the paint and the fear of people slipping. Well, now we have a, a different issue. This one's more comical. Not so much a safety thing, but but a funny thing. Basically, if you're the Lakers, you should be mad. And uh, finally, um, sometimes animals just need to take a nap. Well, uh, this animal was found napping at a Florida country club. Mm. I didn't even know these like actually existed still in, in this right. in Florida. So I, I, I was surprised. Good, good surprise. But we'll get to all that. Plus, we have Comets tickets to give away. Uh, we actually got more Comets tickets yesterday. So we have another four pack of tickets for... Uh, Friday night's game against the Tulsa Oilers. So yesterday, the keyword was Tulsa. Today, the keyword will be Oilers. So just text Oilers to 46862. Again, Oilers to 46862, and you'll be in the running for that four-pack of K's tickets. Uh, We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. Morning, Justin. Good morning. How are we on this Thursday? You know, we're... uh... We're grinding through, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just, uh, we haven't re- even reached the dog days of winter after Christmas, you know, January, but man, February. doesn't it already feel like it? It just feels like at least the sun's supposed to peek through a little bit today. Ain't it supposed but, to be a lot uh, warmer? Yeah. But man, it's, uh, it, uh, even if it's 20 degrees out, but sunny, that just hits different mm-hmm. than, uh, even forties and, and gloomy. I just, uh, man. Usually you have to wait till after Christmas to uh, to feel like this, but it's a it's a drag right now. I would agree. You know, it, now that you bring it up, I'm like, man, maybe that explains why I just feel like I'm dragging all week. <laughs> right? It's, uh, weather doesn't help for sure, but at least we'll see the uh, the sun today. We'll and, and what a high of like is it like fifty? Today? Yeah, fifty today. Low fifties tomorrow. That'll be hopefully a good boost because because I could need it right now. I just. Uh, yeah, we can use the sun. Yeah, something to get sun us going. Sun is nice. <laughs> well, I mean, when you show up to work and it's dark, it doesn't It's hard. Happen. It's kind of like when you were at school and you were at the bus stop and it was dark. And then if you had after school activities, you came home when it was dark. It's kind of brutal. So that's kind of where we're at right now. But we'll try to cheer ourselves up and cheer you up. Yes, yes, we will push through. Yes. Uh, uh, unfortunately, this probably won't cheer a lot of you up, but Juan Soto Headed to the Yankees. Uh, again, we knew he'd be traded. This this was a given in the offseason. Uh, the deal, the Yankees acquire Juan Soto and Trent Grisham from the Padres for right-handers Michael King, Drew Thorpe, Johnny Brito, Randy Vasquez, and catcher Kyle Higashioka. I hope I got that right. But um, that's, that's the trade. 
and we knew Soto would be on the on the trading block. It's done. The Padres can move on, save some money, and, and we'll see where they go from here. You know, they went all in, and it did not work out well last year. No, it didn't work out last year. I mean, rumors were that the Padres had to take a loan out to cover payroll costs because their payrolls was so high last year. It was inevitable that they had the moods of guys, and Soto was 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 top priority. Now, did the Yankees extend Juan Soto because he is a free agent after the upcoming season? I would imagine they do. But you felt like the Padres could get more for Juan Soto than they did. They got five guys, but none of them are really like can't miss prospects or anything. I mean, I just uh, I, I feel like y- you get multiple guys that are probably MLB ready, but I just feel like Juan Soto is worth more. I mean, the dude has the highest on base percentage among active players in Major League Baseball. He's still relatively young with Juan Soto. What is he, 25? I, yeah, I believe so. Um, so, uh, yeah, 25 years old. So hasn't gotten that big contract yet. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think the Yankees knew that the Padres were in a desperate position to try to move him. And they were able to maybe take advantage of the situation a little bit. But Padres receive... As you mentioned, five guys, none of them really, if I'm a Padres fan, get me really excited. Um, and, and, and basically, it's a sell-off because you couldn't afford to have that, that, uh, that's, that payroll for another season. And I get it. The Yankees get another star. Everyone's going to freak out. But look, I, I mean, yes, their roster is stacked, but you still have to win the games. And how many times have we seen this in sports, right, where we want to project something out and it doesn't work out that way? Yes, you, you do have your your Miami Heat and your your Golden State Warriors super teams, but even they lost, you know, right. in championship appearances. So, like, we 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 can't project it out like it's a given because it's not. No, and let's be real. I mean, the pet the, the Yankees haven't been to the World Series in almost fifteen years. Yeah, two thousand nine. So, the, yeah, this to me it doesn't feel like oh here the Yankees go again. They're super like they haven't gotten to the to the World Series. Since 2009. So to me, it's not like, ah, the Yankees, they're always getting these guys and winning. Like you said, you have to win the game stores. The Yankees have not shied away from big contracts over the last 14 years, but it has not come together for them. So I don't feel like it's the rich getting richer here because the Yankees have had their fair amount of problems for more than a decade. Meanwhile, the Reds have signed infielder Jamer Candelario to a three-year, $45 million contract. Uh, So he was... Was with the Tigers, uh, had a, 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 a career year for them, 22 home runs, career high, 70 RBIs. Uh, so he will be with the Reds, joins that stacked infield, so they add some depth. And obviously Cincinnati uh, going to need to add more pitching. That's obviously the next thing. Well, this is kind of telling to me because it makes me think that the Reds have tried to acquire pitching, haven't been able to acquire maybe a name starter in a trade, and so now they're loading up offensively. And Jaime Candelario, who's a dude that went over to the Cubs yes last year in a in a late trade, had a, a career year, twenty two home runs, seventy RBI. And um, for the Reds, who have a, a glut of of infield talent, I think maybe it pushes Spencer Steer to the outfield. And it's a Reds team that maybe has looked and said, "Well, we we upgraded what we could. You bring in Nick Martinez." who they're looking at would, would slot into the rotation. He's a dude that's been both a, a, a starter and a reliever 
in his career. You bring Emilio Pagan on the ba- uh, in the back end, a very good bullpen guy. And while the Reds have a lot of money to spend, they're not going to tear up the core of their young uh, talent to acquire a starter. Uh, the, the, everybody else in Major League Baseball knows what the Reds have in, in terms of really good young talent, but the Reds have made it firm that they're not going to trade much of any of that for a starter. And so the Reds bring in Candelario, who they hope can uh, can rake at the corner infield spot, can play third base and first base. I think it bumps Spencer Steer to the outfield, but um, another move to, for the Reds as they look to... Uh, to shore up what they hope could be an NL Central contender in 2024. Meanwhile, in the NFL, uh, some news surrounding the Colts as one of their defensive ends has been suspended for violating uh, the league's uh, drug policy. So uh, we see this happen again. This time, it is all Quadeen Muhammad. Uh, So right as Grover Stewart comes back, uh, they lose a player. Now, Six games for a PED violation for him. This this is a guy who has not played in a game this year. So it's it's not like yeah, a guy, huge loss. It's a depth loss. By a guy that's been on the practice squad, seems to me, at the, at the, the front of it, just a guy that uh, played for the Bears for a little bit as well. Just a dude that uh, kind of has struggled to find himself in terms of an active roster and may have allegedly used performance-enhancing substances to try to get over that hump. But... Uh, not going to be available for the Colts, but as long as they stay stay healthy, this was isn't going to be an issue going forward. It's been on the practice squad all year. In college football, a couple of moves regarding IU. Uh, Brendan Sorsby, who was the starter for the bulk of the season for IU last season, had 15 touchdowns, five picks, uh, rushed for four scores. Uh, he has committed to Cincinnati, so the the Dallas uh, Dallas area native. Uh, who started seven games, will be in the Big 12, just will be in Cincinnati. And then also, this isn't a surprise, but Jalen Lucas, running back, receiver, kick returner, kind of athlete, versatile guy, Jalen Lucas has put his name into the transfer portal. No surprise that he's in the portal. Uh, be curious where he ends up and if he is used more effectively than who IU used him last season. Yeah, it's a considerable loss when you look at, at, at guys in terms of production coming back. He was one of them, um, but he is now the 24th IU player to enter the portal since the season ended. Fifth player to enter after the hiring of Kurt Signetti. Like 24. That's almost. I remember last year they lost like that many. I know. It's just, uh, it's astounding. And, and I really think that the portal for most teams is more damaging than it is helpful. You look at Colorado, yeah, they benefited. But losing 24 players, let's say even 25, almost a third of your scholarship roster is never good, in my opinion. Is It just leaves so much, so much, so many holes in your depth chart that can't be filled with plug-and-play type guys. Oh, and remember, when you have a coaching switch, so you may have some guys stay on and then decide to transfer out in the spring semester, in the spring, uh, spring transfer True. Portal window. Yeah, after they settle in and see what their role is or not, their what their role is, and then decide. Yeah, so I know it's going on all over the country. I get it, but I think you know once you reach twenty plus twenty five. I mean, unless you're a power school that's just re- that's just reloading every year anyway. Uh, I really think it's it's a big impact. I think I think Kurt Signetti's going to struggle 
in his first year with the amount of roster turnover that's happening in Bloomington. In college basketball, Caitlin Clark became the 15th player in Division I women's basketball history to reach 3,000 career points in a 67-58 win uh, for Iowa against their rival Iowa State last night and also becomes the first player in Division I women's or men's to record at least 3,000 points, 750 rebounds, and 750 assists. Uh, so that's a pr- pretty good pretty good mark uh, <laughs> to, to have yeah, those right? records. I mean, I don't know. I, I already saw her on like a State Farm ad on TV. So clearly, like the, the hype with NIL and everything with her coming back is big. And now it just comes down to will that transfer over into the WNBA? She's been a phenomenal player and an ambassador for women's basketball at the college level. And yes, we'll see if it, it uh, translates into the WNBA. She had 35 last night for the record. It's not bad. No. That's not, that's not a bad night. Did you see uh, Macedon's got a win last yes. night over Southern Illinois? Did you see the shoe block? Yes, I saw the highlight. <laughs> Which was, uh, when I woke up this morning, was uh, being sent out by the ESPN app. It has is, it is gone uh, national. So Rashid Bello, long story short, basically lost his shoe uh, during the def- a defensive possession last night in, midway through the second half, had it in his hand, was playing defense, and blocked a three-point attempt. It was just inside the arc. It was a two-point attempt with his shoe. Held it up, and it was just enough to get a piece of the shot. So Rashid Bello, the highlight of last night for the Mastodons, not just the win, but a block with his shoe by Rashad Bellow. Uh, the Dons moved to 9-1 and one with the win at Southern Indiana last night. Anthony Roberts had 19 to lead the way. And uh, one other note in college basketball, Dylan Harper, uh, the number two prospect in, in the class of 2024, uh, has committed to Rutgers. Um, pretty, pretty big deal because now Rutgers has two of the top three commits in the class of 2024. Uh, we'll get more on kind of what this means for the Big Ten. I think this is a this is a big deal uh, for the Big Ten. Uh, recruiting at an elite level, something they, they have not done in a few years. Uh, but either way, so Rutgers, obviously he had the, the relationship with Ron Harper Jr. Uh, going there and playing there. But now they have uh, Dylan Harper, his younger brother, uh, joining the team in 2024. And exactly the program we thought would break through in terms of recruiting. <laughs> right. Big 10, right? Rutgers. Ex- exactly. Uh, 46862 is the text line number. 46862. Don't forget, you can text Oilers to 46862 and be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the comments and the to- Tulsa. Why is that hard for me to say? Tulsa, Tulsa Oilers. Oilers on Friday night. Again, just text Oilers to 46862. Okay. Speaking of the Ks... Uh, <laughs> You texted me when this news broke yesterday, and it was a little after 5 o'clock, and I was shocked. But Olivier Legault, so a week ago, he was out as a a Comets head coach, or or head coach, associate head coach, coach. uh, stepping away, all right? So now here we are, one week later, and he is back. (laughs) This is just a bizarre situation. Um, There are some quotes in the release, but... Uh, he's been an assistant with the K's since the 2016-17 season under Gary Graham. Um, he's back with the team starting at practice today, uh, according to the general manager, David Franke. So he's back on board. Um, the, the Journal-Gazette basically reporting he, he t- 
took some time uh, to to think about this. The, the, the K's hoped that Legault would change his mind. Obviously, did he did he did? This is all due to a coaching uh, coaching philosophy differences. That according to the Journal Gazette and the initial report when he was leaving last week. Very bizarre. Yeah, I just um, obviously it is a difference of opinion uh, between the coaching staff. But I just wonder how how much more is it? Because we know from what we, we've heard and, 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 and discussed that Olivia Legault is very much liked in that locker room. Yes. By that roster, by the players. And he seemed to be in, in some ways a bridge. He was a bridge to the new regime, right? The new coaching staff. And um, I just wonder is with him when he left, wasn't just a coaching issue after the fact, but one that affected the players as well. Well, remember he was moved into a more administrative role. Like he was handling like passports and like managing like that kind of paperwork on the side. Right. Um, starting the season. So he had a, a different role and like whether it was maybe dealing with that or something, who knows, but that was definitely a, a part of it that obviously the new regime didn't have to, to handle. It's just kind of, kind of weird. At the very least, it, it, it doesn't look very professional. Okay. That you have a coach that decides to leave and then comes back a week later. Okay. So it, it raises eyebrows. Like what's really going raise on? Eyebrows. Here? Like, is it as simple as, okay, coaching philosophies and they went their separate ways and then all of a sudden they figured them out or is there something deeper here? And we're going to have uh, Coach Kalicki on in the second hour and, and I'm sure he won't say much of anything. Yeah. I mean, it, We'll because, ask because we have to, but, right, but I mean, he's, he's, he's already told me and, and rightfully so he's like, I, I can't really get more into it right. than what's in the release. Understandably so. But does it show a deeper issue within the Comets locker room is what my concern would be. And maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't, but I'm just saying that it, it does, as you said, raise eyebrows because this is a team that. Um, coming off a three games and three nights, all losses last week. Could that have had an impact? You know, Coach Legault, he leaves. They go 0 for 3 for the yep, weekend. Exactly. And now he's back. So, obviously, there's more to the story than what we'll get. But how deep does this go? Is this a core coaching staff issue? Is it a player uh, and players not being appreciative of Legault leaving and, and pushing back and wanting him back? Is it, oh crap, after a weekend that came with zero points that you look at and say, well, maybe we did make a mistake. Maybe we do need to meet meet uh, Olivier halfway. Is it a pride thing with Legault and felt like he maybe he wasn't being appreciated as associate head coach, blah, 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 and then they made amends, which is which is what the kind of the the, the release says. I don't know. But at the very least, it's not a good look. And the Comets, I mean, they were an outlier in the ECHL as far as having two assistant coaches on staff. Now, Toledo also uh, has a, a similar setup, that from, from Justin Cohen of the Journal Gazette. So it's not like they're, they were the one team with multiple assistant coaches, but that was more rare in the league. So I, I don't know if it was just like a 
the coaching philosophy. And, and, and again, when he stayed on with this new regime, I found that to be interesting because he probably went after, as far as I recall, went after that head coaching job. And rightfully so. He'd been an assistant for several years, right? Through multiple regimes, was well-liked by previous coaches, but also obviously well-liked by the front office. I mean, they don't make this move to try to get him back if he wasn't. I think that all all but confirmed that. So I thought when he stayed on, I, I found it interesting. Clearly, he's on board. Um, then you have the story last week with the differences, and now he's back. So I, I don't know what magically changed in the last week, and we're probably not going to know. But clearly, something had to have changed, right? You, you you can't just go back to this say oh everything's fine you know it's it's like the the couple who you you break up and then you get back together and you break up and you like what's changed yeah. in between that week yeah that's very true it's it's, uh, it's everybody knows those couples at one point or another you know those couples that whether they they're going to break up and then they get back together break up get back together blah blah, blah. I don't know uh, does this mean now is that coaching staff now as solid as ever. Or are the same issues going to creep up at some point, whatever these issues are? And uh, and I think that's a big question as well for the K's. And we'll talk to Coach uh, Kalecki in the second hour. But I just, uh, man, um, you talk about the, the the players and, okay, they're used to Lego, Then they get used to Lego not being there. Now Lego's back. Um, I just hope the issues have been worked out. And we'll get coaches speak, of course, but we still have to ask. You know, what the hell's going on? But as you look at, I know it's December, okay? But you're tied for last in the Central, okay? Now, you're only three points out of second, but you're also tied for last. (laughs) This is the thing. It is a pivotal time for the case. People will say, well, there's plenty of time. You can't go into the new year having to play catch-up because it's a hell of a lot more difficult to do that than being in the middle or upper portion of the central. Okay. So you can't afford the rest of this month. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 games still between now and the end of the year. You have to get it together. And I don't think we're, we're being as critical as some people will be, but uh, because everybody's salty about losing to Toledo, what, Four out of five times, yeah, well, five out of six and again, times this year. We talked with Justin Cohn about that last week, and the, the the biggest thing is they don't play Toledo until December 31st, so there's a gap. You right. can breathe. Yeah, but I'm not judging the com- the comments just on Toledo because they have some big games coming up. They, they can't afford to continue to fall backwards, and and they have some opportunities here outside of the, of the conference, too, or outside of the division. You know, they got Tulsa, and they go to Utah. Or they have Utah coming in, I think. Uh, the Grizzlies. Um, a lot of games with Iowa that is in their division, but not considered one of the powers. Uh, they're better this year so far, but who knows if they can stay up there. It's just you hope that behind the scenes, the Comets have it put back together and figured out because this is a team that, yeah, it's early in the season, but it's not that early. You're 17 games in. In another 13 games, you're 30 games in by the end of the the uh, the month, and you're almost halfway. You're five games away from halfway of the course of the season. So these are pivotal three weeks for the K's, and if they're showing some lack of um, lack of continuity, I guess behind the scenes, that'd be a problem. 
And I think the other thing is, once again, it doesn't matter who the coaching staff is, the home struggles have continued, which is which is important to management. Which is very important to the Frankies. When you talk about wanting butts in the seats and not performing on home ice, is less butts are in the seats. And that's a big issue. And it starts, the, the two bit most prevalent things, winning games at home and being respectable against Toledo. And neither one is happening so far. And now you have a coach that was there and then wasn't there and now is back. I don't know. It's not good optics at the very least. And you hope that it uh, it doesn't affect the comments on the ice. And maybe it's the kick in the pants they need with Lego back. I don't know. Because it was a pointless weekend last weekend. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Coming up uh, next, what really is the biggest issue facing high school basketball in Indiana? All the talk about a shot clock and seating sectionals and so on and so forth. I'm going to go in a different direction with this next. Here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Don't forget, you can text Oilers to 46862. Again, Oilers to 46862. Be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the comments. And Tulsa, Friday night at the Coliseum as the K's uh, host return home. 8 o'clock puck drop in that one. Again, just text Oilers to 46862. You'll be in the running for that four-pack of tickets. We'll give it away at the end of the show this morning. Uh, a text on the comments from last segment. Um uh, CK home ice losing the the jungle has turned into a, a deforestation ecological disaster. <laughs> Hasn't been ideal for the K's at home, and this has been going on for a couple of years. And they need to turn it around. They got an opportunity starting Friday, and you can see it by texting Oilers to four six eight six two. Meanwhile, uh, in in high school sports and this chatter always comes around early in the basketball season and always comes around in sectional time, right? As far as the issues in high school basketball and how to fix it. And I think a lot of people want to focus on two things, whether it's a shot clock or seating sectionals. Those are always the, the common things brought up time and time again, right? I mean, is there anything else you can think of that's brought up more than that? Well, I mean, public-private is a big debate yeah. in football and stuff like that. Um, so, but shot clock—I I know we've talked about it off-air at times. I just, yeah, just it doesn't move the needle for me. Yeah, I don't. And, and same with seating like, sectionals. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I have, I have a bigger issue with every school in in sports in Indiana making the state tournament. Like, yeah. I have a bigger issue with that. Like, fix that first, because I don't think. It should just be wide open. I think you'd you'd have a better, more competitive setup if everyone didn't automatically make the postseason. I don't know. That's that's just me. Yeah. Uh, but but the the issue to me, and this is an ongoing issue. It's not the shot clock. It's not seating sectionals. It's it's not even a, the AAU infestation of of high school basketball. I, I think it continues to be the lack of officials and lack of good officials yes. too. Like the the average age now. This is from a story earlier this year, but the average age of an IHSA official is fifty four years old, um, and that average obviously going up. And the IHSA has, has made some moves over the last year to try to help out with this problem. They upped official pay, they upped the mileage reimbursement, but when you're taking insults from fans, uh, you're dealing with coaches, and, and in particular parents, 
who are the main culprits in these scenarios, like why bother dealing with it? Yeah, it's it's it. You, you just get abused for minimal money. I mean, they've raised the cash you get, but it's still not ideal for for officials. And w- w- this, a lot of of people that 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 say that 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 more officials are needed are the same people that that are yelling at officials as well. <laughs> you know, uh, and and they're never wor- worth going down and doing it themselves. Like, is there something that needs to be done between? officials and schools to just completely take care of unruly parents. I, I feel like we could be doing so much more. I, I do think, I think there needs to be a concerted effort by schools. It's not an IHSAA thing. Yeah. Schools need to be more proactive in kicking out uh, abusive parents. Yes. Abusive I, I fans. Is if, if you're yelling at an official, any type of berating is, I, I don't care if, oh, well, he's not cussing. So it's, or, or she's not doing this. No, I just, and those people are so like, they justify it by, well, you know, they're, they're, they're getting paid and, and but it's high school sports. Like we're in the, in the, in the big scheme of things. This is why I can't really get this behind. is a side hustle. It's not even a part-time job. And, and the whole thing with high school sports is like, it's just, it, and, and it's going to be weird coming from somebody that's, that's covered high school sports for a long time. It's like, it, it, in the end, it really doesn't matter. Like, like in the big scheme of things, when we talk about health and, and career and all this stuff and, 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 and life goals, nobody's life goals revolve around what you do in high school. Okay. So in the big scheme of things, the, the investment that parents make negatively in a game that, and, and the impact that officials make. Like in the big scheme of things, it just doesn't matter. And I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people can't see that, understand it. It's just let the kids go out and have fun. If you lose, you lose. You win, you win, and all this stuff. But everything has to be so competitive. And I think it goes back to, and this is what I deal with one day job now, is so young that kids are being thrust into competitive situations. And it's not because of the kids. No. It's because it's, the parents just like are trying to either relive out some dream or make some dream through their kid that they couldn't achieve themselves. And it shouldn't be that way. It's still high school level sports. Yes. You want to like win and be competitive, but ultimately it still is about, you know, life lessons, playing as a team, being a good teammate. Um, And that should transcend to fans and parents being a good fan and being a good parent. But rating officials is, is cheap. It's lazy. Um, I remember growing up, there was a, a a player parent that he'd always be yelling at the refs. And like, if you sat near him, like, I think we moved one time as a family because it was just too much. And that should be where the school intervenes. Should step in. Yeah. Says, hey, dude, you're gone. Give him a warning. And then he's gone. Like, tighten it up. I, I think that is the thing that we, we live in a society now that wants to blame officiating for every single loss. Well, you want to blame every, everybody for everything. Basically. It's it's and the fact that that's trickled down to the high school level, correct, is sad. No team has ever lost. Yeah, some people. No team has ever won a game because of the officials. But by God, they've lost games because yeah. of the officials. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and, and that's a, a big issue for me. But in the end, and I know people always push back when I say this. Like in the end, it just doesn't matter. Like who cares who wins and who loses? I think it goes back to that competitive. Like there is six U. You can travel for six U 
flag football. Six and under. Those what? kids don't want to pl- travel all over the place. They just want to play football. It's the parents that are putting this stuff together and having actual tournaments. It's for the parents. It's not for the kids. Why is there six U flag football that's travel? Because that of, is absurd. Of crazy parents. <laughs> of people that want to travel with their kids that are six. Six years old. They're barely out at five years old. They're barely they barely potty trained at five years old. <laughs> and you're having kids that are playing across the country for football. For flag football. It's just ridiculous. It just shows the competitive and all of this is due to adults. All of it is due to adults. And I blame some coaches too, because coaches Lose some coaches lose sight of what we're doing in high schools athletics. We're supposed to be teaching, like you said, those principles of life, right? But it's come sometimes come become so obsessive with winning that they cross the line as well. And sometimes it's directed at officials. Uh text rolling in at four six eight six two. Can't the officials throw them out? The officials shouldn't have to worry about yeah. what's going on in the stands. Also, do you really want to be the official that's having to, you know, the schools, should, like the schools are the host. They should be taking care of that. Yeah. Now the officials can point it out and notify a school official. But beyond that, I mean, it's it's really up to the schools to take care of unruly fans. Another text uh, at 46862. CK, it does matter if my kid is getting beat up on the court. Elbows are thrown in front of the officials. There is no call. Control the game. Uh, and then there's like a typo, so the rest doesn't make sense. But, but like it's it's a game. Like I understand you may not agree with how the game is being officiated, but to scream yeah, a, and berate it officials, it's a physical game. I'm sorry if you're getting elbowed, then just handle it. Is like, next level. I I don't know. I I am just so tired of the the sports culture. Like you said, you, quit you fighting, never quit fighting your kids' fights. Yeah, let them handle it out there. I and mean, that that's the other thing. You know, the kid may not a, care. Quit, the, the kid yeah. may may only be playing because you make them play. Yeah, I, I would reevaluate. Oh, my kids get beat up in there. I got to yell at people. Uh, you're the problem. The kid's probably Sorry, embarrassed by you're that. You're the problem. Oh, that's another thing. That's another thing that like parent like I think kids majority of kids. If you ask them, like, can you you just want to play in front of an empty gym instead of in front of people? Like, yeah, totally. Because people are yelling. Like they're embarrassed by you. If you're yelling at officials. If you're yelling at the coach, you're embarrassing your kid. Mm-hmm. And and they may not say it, but you're embarrassing them for sure. So th- this is where I say it, it's all on adults. It's parents. It's coaches. I understand there are some officials out there that aren't good, but there's a reason why those officials are working varsity games because there aren't enough officials. Because you've run off. You've run the off good all ones. the good ones. Because people <laughs> say, well, they need to get better officials. There aren't enough officials to want to do it because you're yelling at them. If they need better officials, then why don't you sign up and do it and take care of it? Another text at 46862. I was an official for my college intramural. Quit after two games. Everyone runs their mouth. And it's not like, like even it, just not at high school. Yeah. It's even not at high school. Like you go to AAU events, Ugh. you go to seven on seven events, as which I run our seven on seven organization. And it's just filthy what is out there with people confronting officials, like referees. Like we make sure for our events, we get IHSAA officials for football. Okay. So we get the best of the best. We get the Jeff Lytles and guys like that, okay? Um, Coach Rudolph at Carroll, he'll step up and and help us out. Uh, Bob Childers, all great dudes, great top-of-the-line officials. We make sure we get those guys because they know how to handle that stuff. But you still have people crossing the line at at these events. And it's not even just IHSAA. It's even worse outside of that realm 
because everybody like there are plenty of just stupid parents out there. That's what drives this whole thing. This whole issue is parents, but it's never them that want to take yeah. the blame. Personal it's never them. Responsibility. It's always personal. All my kids beating up, getting beat up and nobody's making a call. Right. It's uh, these guys don't know what they're doing. Call the game fair. Call the game even like this is in the end. It's just it's so stupid. It's so stupid. So you want more officials. Be a better fan. Be a better parent. School administrators. Go be an official. This this is your chance to kick people out who you're sick and tired of dealing with. There should be a zero zero tolerance policy by the schools. But they don't. They're afraid to confront it. And I get it because sometimes those things can escalate. But you need a an officer, police officer there to escort those people out. And there are usually officers yes. there anyway. So and I don't care if you need five officers. Yeah, it, it it burns the budget for athletics. But as soon as somebody says something that crosses that line, it should be gone. And the fear of it being some prominent booster, right? Like that everyone's afraid. Like here's or the a thing: parent of a good you'll, player, you'll or probably something. have a dozen people behind the scenes who are thrilled that person's yeah. finally gone. Yeah. So when I look at problems or, or things that need fixed, I don't go to shot clock. I don't go to class basketball. I don't go to public or private. I don't go to seating sectionals. I go to people that need to put under control. Parents, coaches, first and foremost. Uh, a few other texts. Uh, parents are out of control. Definitely the problem. It's really sad how they show a terrible example for their kids and younger generations to come through high school sports. Um. Someone else, my dad uses a walker and is still refing high school soccer. That's next level. Probably yeah. because he knows there's no not enough people yeah. younger than him to step up. And then uh, the difference nowadays is parents uh, have to invest thousands of dollars into these leagues for their child to play basketball or football. It used to not be that way. Parents are invested both emotionally and financially, and it spills over into yelling at the referees at times. Not an excuse. That's a big reason why parents get... But... They're but, choosing but, to invest. They don't have to invest in these leagues. Well, I mean, yeah, some leagues, some travel, like ours, seven on seven for the seasons, $1,200 for four months. Okay. That doesn't include uh, hotels and anything. It's a lot of money for sure. But some of these leagues, like you see this in, in Y leagues, you know, and that's where leagues. the real like, issue is. Yeah. It's, it's like, not all these are big money in a high school. You're not paying a lot of money to, to, to play basketball or football. Right. So, that's not an excuse for everybody. It's not an excuse ever, but they're just invested for all different reasons, whether it's financial, whether they're trying to relive their glory days, whether they think their kid is going to be the next big thing, which is embarrassing in itself. It's all parent driven parents, parents, parents. And I throw coaches in there as well. Certain coaches for sure, but majority parents just terrible. Someone else, uh, CK. So it's okay for my kid to get punched and the kid who does it doesn't get a tech or thrown out. If your kid's getting punched, there's going to be a call. Okay. Yeah. Are you so you're going to run out of the court? Yeah. How like, how like many what, times, what's your move here? How many times has your kid got punched and there's no call? Okay. Like really, don't be dramatic. Texter. <laughs> okay. What are you going to do? You're going to run out there? You're going to embarrass your kid? Like there, there's but nothing you, know you can do that's going to make this. My situation thing better. would be, and I think certain people, you know what? If my kid gets punched, punch somebody back. It's not your fight. Yeah, it's your kid's fight. Let your kid step up for himself and, and be res- and 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 have some com- self confidence in himself. Don't fight his fights. You gonna come when he's thirty five years old and his boss is mean mean to him? Is he, are you gonna show up to work and scold <laughs> his boss? Huh? Come on, grow up, dude. Grow up and tell your kid to grow up. I'm sure that's gonna 
<laughs> I'm sure that's going to go over well. Good. Four, keep the six, text coming. Keep eight, keep six, showing two. your keep keep showing your ignorance. Okay. Uh, another person said, "I once saw a priest kick someone out." Uh, yeah, th- this is again. You, you gotta hold people accountable for their actions. And you know why calls are being missed is because you have officials that shouldn't be working varsity games, and they have to because so many abusive parents are out there acting ridiculous towards people, towards officials. You brought this upon yourself. That's what you did. But quit fighting your kids' fights. Let them stand up for themselves. If only it were that easy, right? I mean, it is, but if only... Yeah, this is funny. That'd be the direction. Uh, Apparently, this kid's out there just getting punched all the time, apparently. (laughs) Okay, sure. Sure, guy. What's really going on? Coming up on the other side, uh, Rutgers. Yes, Rutgers is breaking free of a big problem for the Big Ten. We'll explain what's going on next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Now that we have... Made all the sports parents angry in yeah. Fort Wayne Bring surrounding it in. community. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, the worst possible thing is is bums being called bums. And sometimes you just need to look in the mirror. Like, you are the problem. And as you said it off air. It's like the worst thing is the people that, that are the problem that don't realize they're the problem. Yes, because it's everyone else's fault. Everybody else's fault. It's a blame game. And what are you teaching your kid? Teach him accountability or her accountability standing up for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Don't act a fool. I see it all the time. I was a journalist covering high school athletics. Now at my day job and running a seven on seven program and seeing how other seven on seven programs are and, and, and around AAU and stuff. It's parents, 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 parents. If, if I didn't have to deal with parents, my job would be so much easier. Some of them are amazing. Some of them are great. There's just not enough of those. Yeah. It's it's competitive sports and it just brings out the worst in people. Worst. And it should bring out the best in people. Because it's it high school. Right. And or younger. Youth. I mean <laughs> that's the problem. It should bring out the best in people, not the worst, but unfortunately it does. Uh, meanwhile, Rutgers is bringing out the best in the Big Ten in men's basketball. Rutgers. Yes. Uh we talked about it in headlines, but if you missed it, Dylan Harper uh is one of the top commits in the class of 2024 so he just committed to Rutgers yesterday and now Rutgers of all teams has the number two recruit in Harper and the number three recruit in Arius Ace Bailey in their class of 2024 so they they are now number three in the recruiting rankings for the class of 2024 and I, I don't know if anyone's really going to catch them, to be honest, at, at this point. They, they, they may have someone fall back. But what they accomplished with this is the, the last time the Big Ten had a top three recruiting class was actually Michigan, third in 2021. That would have been like, like Caleb Houston would have been a part of that. They didn't really make an impact. But then previous top three was Michigan State all the way back in 2016. Notice the gap we're seeing there. Recruiting at an elite level is something the Big Ten simply does not do in basketball on a regular basis. Yes, there may be top players here and there, but as far as top recruiting classes, that's just, that's not something that happens. Now, is this going to lead to immediate results? Is this just a flash in the pan as far as recruiting? I That remains to be seen. Steve Peichel has obviously done a great job in building that program, and for him to lane these players, that's the program taking a next step. 
Obviously, though, for the Big Ten, it doesn't seem to matter if they can't do anything in March. Here's the thing for me, and this is why this is crucial, I think, for Rutgers and maybe the Big Ten, is Dylan Harper as a combo guard. How much do we talk about guard play being most important in March? And I think when you see, and I don't have any numbers to back this up, but I think when you look at some of the top recruits that do go to the Big Ten, mostly bigs. I mean, Ace Bailey is the other five-star guy. He's a strong forward. But you go through the class of 2022, or 2024, excuse me, Derek Queen, five-star center going to Maryland. Big. Well, he's not confirmed there. Not yet. Yeah. He's, uh, he hasn't committed. No. But I think he's like a, he's a lean or He whatever, was but. a lean, but I... everything out Montverde there? Academy? Yeah, Montverde. Uh, he's the guy who was a Maryland lean and then... Now it seems like it's a toss-up between Maryland and Indiana. I think there might be one other school. At Kansas, play. probably. Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but a center, okay. Liam McNeely, the IU commit, strong forward, okay. You go to Canaan Catchings for Purdue, power forward. These are all top 25 guys that are committed to Big Ten programs. And what are you seeing? Uh, Connie Roos, the dude from, uh, where is he from? Florida, I think, going to Michigan. Power forward. It's a big dominated league, right? So even when you have big recruiting classes, they're they're usually forwards and centers that are coming in. Guards just are an afterthought in Big Ten recruiting. Unfortunately, with the exception of Michigan State seemingly finds a way to get elite guards every couple years and and does a good job of developing them. But other schools, not so much. And guard play wins in in, in March. And yes, the Big Ten has other problems. Um, The style of play does not help the Big Ten when it comes to March, and that's the officiating, which has to do with the style of play as far as the, it's officiated differently compared to how they officiate in March. In recruiting, obviously, that other part of the cycle, right? It's those three prongs that we're always talking about. And this is one where a program has broken through, and one of the, the key things, by getting an elite guard, and, and we'll see how it pans out. I think it's more it's it's important for the Big Ten to shake off the, it is a, 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 an actual thing that they're a big dominated league. And I think what can change that, what would change that is bringing in more difference making players that are guards. And that's what Dylan Harper brings to the Big Ten and Rutgers in particular. But I still, I, I don't know if there's necessarily a significant issue in the Big Ten with recruiting talent as much as there is an issue in the Big Ten in recruiting backcourt talent. Yes. That is kind of what I'm getting to, is you look at where are the top guards going, and they're not going to the Big Ten. Okay? And and that's where I think the Big Ten needs to make its biggest strides in recruiting, is all, all, big, all forwards and centers would love, to, would love to go to the Big Ten. But what about the guards? And does that go to pace of play? Does it go to scheme? Does it go to uh, program identity? Does it go to just the overall um, thought of the of the conference? But I think Dylan Harper can be a big step forward for the league in trying to get more big name guards into the conference. Now the pressure's on for Steve Peichel, right? As far as Rutgers. Not just getting to the tournament, but but doing something. There there will be actual expectations in Piscataway next year. Yeah, what a concept. Outside of, you know, beating Indiana all the time. Yeah, well. 
which that's, is that's given. what they do. Which is a given. But uh, we'll <laughs> four, see. We'll four, see about four six eight six two uh, text say, saying recruiting matters so little anymore. Freshmen don't win. Juniors and seniors do get guys in the transfer portal that are grown men ready to win. I think that's the case in football. Basketball is still impacted yes. by, by freshmen. I, I would agree. Now, yeah. freshmen aren't winning you national championships. They can't be the primary piece like what we saw maybe 10 years ago. But, but they you can still be, need elite level talent Yeah, I do to mix think, in with, with experience. Yeah, a top 25 freshman coming in can make a, a, a sizable difference in basketball. I still think there's a lot to be said about getting top uh, freshman athletes into your program. Coming up on the other side, Comets head coach Jesse Kalicki will join us talk about the return of Olivier Legault, the season so far, and the keys for the Tulsa matchup coming up tomorrow night. That's next here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you on a Thursday. Coming up this hour on the show, Comets head coach Jesse Kalicki set to join us here shortly. Plus, IU will have a new starting quarterback next season. We'll take a look at some of the candidates in the NBA in-season tournament court causing more issues. This one on the more comical side is the Pacers set to play in the semifinals in Vegas tonight. And uh, before we leave you, a Florida animal found relaxing at a Florida country club. We'll, we'll explain what's going on there before we leave you. Uh, 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. And don't forget, you can text Oilers to 46862 and be in the running for a four-pack of tickets. See the Comets and the Tulsa Oilers on Friday night. And joining us now, it is the head coach of the of the K's, Jesse Kalicki, as he gets the squad set for Friday night's matchup against Tulsa. Good morning, Jesse. Hey, morning, everybody. How are we doing? Doing well, doing well. And uh, obviously some news came down yesterday with the return of Olivier Legault to the Comets staff. Um, What was that like for you just a a week in between and then obviously getting him back after that that one week kind of, I guess, layoff, if you will? Yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's awesome having him back. You know, he's a... He's a exciting, you know, part of what we do, an important part of what we do. So it's, uh, you know, it's great coming to work today and and having him here. So it's uh, it's all positive in the in the Comets office. Can you t- tell us, Coach, and, and just how much that uh, uh, Legault means to this team, you know, and, and on the bench, but also behind the scenes, and just how impactful he is to to have him back. Yeah, he's been here a long time, and. Um, you know, he knows the city and, and knows the franchise and, and knows the league. So it's, uh, um, you know, it's great to, to have him back. And, uh, you know, we're, we're definitely excited and, and, and ready to get going this weekend. Coach, when you look at the situation and some people outside the situation would be saying, you know, what's going on with the, with the K's? What would you say to the people that would ask that question about this situation and kind of maybe uh, calm them a little bit? Uh. I would just say like, like anything, you know, there's, um, you know, when you, when you bring in new people to, uh, to a job, it's, it's sometimes the, the transition is, um, you know, there's, there's ebbs and flows to it. And, um, you know, I think that's, that's part of what change is and change is hard on, on everybody. And, um, you know, I think there's, there's growing pains as you work through stuff. And, um, for us, it was, um, you know, just all eyes are on, you know, winning a Kelly Cup here in June. So, 
at the end of the day, that's that's what we're focused on, and and that's that's what we're trying to get to. Comments head coach Jesse Kalicki joining us on the guest line, and, and change for you. I mean, your your first year as head coach of the Comets, moving uh, from Florida here to Fort Wayne. What's kind of been one of the biggest things that you've learned so far in your first season as head coach? Uh, probably that <laughs> that change is hard. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's it's uh, you know, it's 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 new, right? It's it's new to me. You know, I'm new to the organization, and you know, so many coaches that have uh, been here before were were with the organization uh, previously, and I think um, you know that's. I'm coming in and, and I'm different for everybody too. So, you know, I think um, change is something that uh, ultimately it, it, it takes time and, and it takes, uh, it takes uh, you know, a, a group effort to, uh, to make it work. But um, at the end of the day, we have, a, we have a good group. You know, we have a, a team that's young, but we're, we're learning. And, um, you know, for us, it's, uh, you know, five points out of first place. So we're, we're right in the mix, and, and a good weekend here puts us, uh, you know, puts us where we want to be. Coach, when you look at the makeup of this team, putting t- together and, and then producing on the ice for you, and I, we, we, we've asked uh, Justin Cohn, other other guys, you know, what's what's the barometer? How many games do you look at and say, okay, this is what we have, this is what we don't have? As a head coach, how do you approach that? I'm sure it's always a work in progress, but 17 games in, do you have a good feeling about what this team can and can't do, or do you want to see more games before you kind of make those decisions? Yeah, I think we're getting there. You know, I think for me, it's uh, it's uh, it's a team of, of a lot of new guys like myself. You know, guys that have come in from outside the organization and and are learning. You know, who they are as as pro hockey players and who they are and where they fit in the in the Comet totem pole. So, um, you know, I think we're we're working on that. We're working through that, and you know, our roster is has found a little bit of consistency here over the, the past 10 days or so. So I think for us, we're, you know, we're, we're continuing to get better. And I think, uh, you know, although we didn't get the results last weekend or Saturday, Sunday, we're, we're, uh, we're much better games and, and we established a little bit of an identity of, of who we are as a team. So, you know, I really think there's, there's wins right around the corner here. We're just, uh, you know, we just got to stick with it and, and, and make sure that we're we're sticking with the process and not only worrying about the result. Comments head coach Jesse Kalicki with us on the guest line here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Uh, coach, when, when you look at Tulsa coming up tomorrow night, what are going to be some of the keys and things you're looking out for in that matchup? Yeah, I mean, Tulsa is a, um, they're a very, very hardworking team. They're, they're uh, you know, they, they do a lot of things right. They skate well, they work hard, they play on top of you. So, so for us, it's really important that we match that work ethic first and foremost. And, um, you know, we got to make sure we get pucks behind their defensemen. And, you know, the big thing for our team, we talk about all the time, is when we manage pucks and don't turn them over and don't feed other teams' transitions, we're, we're generally a, a pretty successful team. And then offensively, you know, we, we've, uh, we've been gripping our sticks a little bit offensively. We haven't, uh, haven't scored as many goals as, as we would have liked over the last five games here. So... You know, for us, a, a big, big theme has been making sure we're getting to the net and, and trying to score some, some dirty goals or ugly goals, as they call them, to, you know, until we find our, our confidence on, on some of the other ways that, that we can generate. 
Does it feel like a reset since you're playing out of the division on Friday night where you're not playing the Cincy's, Toledo's, Kalamazoo's, Wheeling's, Iowa's, uh, teams like that where it's a different opponent? It's almost like a, a fresh perspective, not only from a scouting standpoint, but also for the players as well. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, it's a good point. I mean, you know, when we our division is a, it's a gauntlet, you know, there's every team is a good team and every night's a, a difficult night. And, you know, Tulsa is a, a good hockey team, but, you know, I think uh, for us it is nice to see some new players and, and just get out there and, and have a new jersey across from you. I think that uh, is something that's good for our group. And, um, you know, then we get right back at it uh, Saturday with, with Indy again and then a really good Iowa team coming in on Sunday. So, um, you know, there's no nights off at, in this league. It's Every night's a, a challenging night, and, and we got to make sure that we're, we're ready to go. Coach, another three and three, as you mentioned. As a coach, how do you approach those? And based on on philosophy, based on guys playing healthy scratches, do you do you set up the weekend and then make adjustments as you go, or is it very much reactionary on one day to the other? Yeah, I mean it's it's um, it's something I'm learning to manage too, because you know in my experience. Um, in the South Division, we didn't have as many three and threes. It was, uh, you know, usually like a Wednesday, Friday, Saturday matchup. So this is something that's new, and I would say we, you know, you go into every weekend with a plan, but uh, yeah, plans change pretty quick. So um, you know, we're we're always ready to adjust, whether it's uh, how somebody plays or injuries. But um, you know, we like to have kind of somewhat of a plan, but uh, it's it's such a fluid situation every weekend that uh, things change really quick so you got to be able to uh, make adjustments on you know really fast and and be sure that uh, you know you're giving your team the best chance to win comments head coach jesse kalicki with us before we let you go you talked about change obviously you know with coaching staff on the ice let's talk off ice for this it's december you move from florida to fort wayne are you starting to maybe regret it just a little bit with the change in weather <laughs> It's uh, it's it's definitely been uh, been different. That's for sure. I uh, I got uh, I got I had to buy some. Uh, I had to buy a whole lot of pants and uh, a winter jacket. <laughs> I haven't had a winter jacket. In, I'm, I'm probably saying like 15 years. Wow. So it's been uh, it's been a, a big adjustment in that sense. But uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been really good. You know, my wife and I we live out in Leo and. Um, you know, the community is great out there and, and we, we really enjoy Fort Wayne and um, I wouldn't say I, uh, I, I don't regret it at all and, and there's no place I'd rather be than, than here in Fort Wayne. Hey man, you could you could always petition the league and say ECH that, that three week stretch of going down to Jacksonville and Orlando and Florida and Savannah <laughs> wouldn't be terrible in the middle of January, just saying. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, everybody's telling me this is nothing yet, so <laughs> I gotta make sure I'm. Uh, I gotta make sure I'm not complaining too early yet about this weather. Oh, yeah. we're already complaining. It's fine. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah, you can <laughs> complain now, knowing that it's only gonna get worse. It's totally okay. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. That's Covets head coach Jesse Kalicki with us. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time to join us this morning, and good luck uh, starting tomorrow night uh, for the upcoming games this weekend as you kick things off against Tulsa. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. That's K's head coach Jesse Kalicki with us on the guest line. And again, don't forget, you can see the comments on Friday night. Just text Oilers to 46862. Again, Oilers to 46862. 
We're giving away a four-pack of tickets to tomorrow night's game. So again, text Oilers to 46862, and you'll be in the running. Our winner will be selected at the end of the show this morning. Also, make sure you'll be able to come in and pick up those tickets. Yeah, no. we're not delivering them for you. That's no. for sure. Uh, you know, talking to Coach, and you know, he's not going to get too much in behind the scenes. But all he can do is 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 I mean, we talked about it in the first hour with Olivier Legault, and is he in, and is he out, and all that stuff. And it is very much a difference of opinion. And sometimes that goes well. Sometimes it doesn't go well. They worked it out. Hopefully, it's not an issue going forward. There's continuity there going into what will be another difficult weekend. But again. 13 games between now and January 1st for the K's. They need to have everything figured out behind the scenes to be able to hopefully pile up some points heading into the new year. Coming up on the other side, IU will have a new starting quarterback next season, but who will it be? We'll take a look at some of the options next here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Some cool in the game. That'll yeah. get us going this yes. morning. We need something. This is this is exactly what we needed. Yes. It was funny talking to Coach and saying, well, I can't complain yet. And I'm like, oh, no, no, we're already <laughs> complaining. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. It's fine. This week we've been complaining. Yeah. I mean, it, it drops from, what, the, the 70 degree days. We, we got lucky November the first, what, 15 days were basically yeah. nice. And then... It got cold. Yeah, we're going to complain. And you know what? That's just the reality. And that's just the way it is. Welcome people. to the Midwest. Yes. I mean, my <laughs> big thing is the sun. Like, if you don't see the sun for three, four, five days in a row, I don't care if it's 50 or 10 degrees. I need that superheated ball of gas to make an appearance because that can make all the difference. Yeah. I mean, seasonal depression. Real thing. Dude, seriously. Very real. I take Lexapro and Xanax for precisely those reasons. The wife's always like, you always get this way. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm already kind of feeling that way. And it's not mm-hmm. even Christmas yet. Usually it waits yeah. till January or February to get there. But the sun is starting to peak out today and I couldn't feel yeah, I am more excited. I'm going to be it. excited for some sun time. I mean, that's why we go somewhere in January every year that has sun and warm weather for yeah. like a quick weekend just to <laughs> try to like South Bend. No, oh, no. Florida. Ah, of course. <laughs> to, to Are you guys to, planning that this yeah, year? Yeah, yeah. January? We already we already uh booked the flight. So nice. Where are you headed? Um I'm I, just gonna live intrusively yeah, through you. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. Um you, you say it and I can't remember the exact name of the town, but it's like right by Bradenton. Okay. I ah, can't think nice. of the name of the town. It's like her my wife's aunt's like her place that her husband like mom like had that died but it's like you know it's like a it's a senior community so it's like actually oh, got you a get fun. to stay so in like, a senior community yeah, yeah. so Sweet. they have a pool uh we have access to their place and they Young have like a, they have a car this is the best part so they have a car but it's not just any car okay it is like a 20 year old champagne gold uh chrysler pt cruiser convertible no way <laughs> You guys are going to be balling down there. Which is just hilarious to be driving around for obvious reasons. Oh, that's going to be hysterical. Now, you got Palmetto, the, that's the name of the town. Uh, sounds amazing. So we'll uh, we'll have to post some pictures of this vehicle down there. <laughs> yeah, and, that's true. And you being surrounded by 60, 70, 80 year olds at the senior community, which is where like what well, my parents. It, it's actually younger people than you'd expect. At the senior community? Well, yeah. I mean, sure. I mean, you could retire. Well, we sure, can't, a lot of, but a lot of, a lot of 55, people in 55, you could retire. 
uh, we won't be able to, but people <laughs> were able to. Yeah, some people. And yeah. So, uh, yeah, I could see that, but that'll be a lot of fun. We'll all live vicariously through you So in January. It'll be a nice little extended weekend getaway. Nothing um, uh, nothing compares to, to getting away when it's cold. Yes. No, seriously. Yes. Oh, it, that's why you we don't do even it. have to do anything. Like, it's, just go and sit. Oh, yeah. In the no, heat. you can literally sit in the pool because it's warm enough and, yeah. and get some sun. Because people are like, like, every time we go on a vacation, we actually had to do things. But, like, vacation to me at this time of year is just going somewhere warm. I don't care yes. if we do, don't do a damn thing. Just going someplace warm. Like, we will go out to eat because I love seafood. So, obviously, this yep. will be my, my chance. My wife does not like seafood. So, this is definitely my chance. She gets the uh, chicken tenders? <laughs> yeah, usually. Yes. <laughs> Except she had like a an issue with chicken tenders for a bit. Uh-oh. So, I think it's like the, the oil or something. Uh, okay. But, so, we'll, we'll see if that's back on. But, yes, she usually gets chicken tenders. I get her to try some different seafood items. Like, I think I got scallops last year, and she yeah. liked those, so. Uh, but, yep, sit by the pool, go out to eat. Uh, there's, like, a outlet mall. She'll probably want to do that, so we'll probably do that. And that'll be about it. <laughs> uh, that doesn't, uh, that sounds like a perfect vacation to me. Yeah, I mean, we're very, very much the, like, if we're going to do activities on vacation, like, the evening has to be for relaxing. Yeah. Totally. Agreed. Uh, meanwhile, a, a, a guy who cannot relax, a new IU head coach, Kurt Signetti. What a segue. Uh, <laughs> as the Hoosiers, again, lose Brennan Soresby in the portal. He's now transferring to Cincinnati. Dexter Williams also in the portal. So who will be at quarterback for Indiana next season? Will Taven Jackson stay? The fact that he hasn't put his name in yet tells me that he will, right? I mean, I, I don't. I think that would have already happened, right, if he was looking to move because at some point – you got to figure things out. And I guess he already used his one-time transfer. So he kind of right. does have to stay. Um, and then will there be a, a James Madison player transfer in quarterback, Jordan McLeod already in the portal with one year of eligibility remaining. So that could be a target for Indiana and, and a guy who had a, a really good season and maybe more fits what Signetti wants to do kind of undersized at six foot and 200 pounds, but a guy who, Threw for 32 touchdowns, nine picks, 3,400 yards. Not bad. And to, for IU to have a quarterback who can can do something like that, be a part of it in the rushing game as well, rushing for eight touchdowns, I mean, it's that's what they're looking for. Haven Jackson was not necessarily a threat so much in the rushing attack compared to Brendan Soresby. So we'll see. But th- those seem to be the strongest options right now. And you're also seeing IU offer in terms of different quarterbacks from the high school level. And you're looking at Tyler Cherry, who is committed to Duke. Duke, and he's out of Greenwood. A guy that threw. Uh, Yeah. Um, Threw for what, 3,100 yards, 38 touchdowns. And then he's a four star guy. And then he was also, I think, behind Taven Jackson at Center Grove. Taven Jackson went to Center Grove, right? Uh, Yes. Yeah. And then they've also offered former James Madison commit Alberto Mendoza, a three-star guy out of Miami, Florida, a pro-style dude's thrown for 58 total touch or has scored 58 total touchdowns, more than 4,000 yards passing over the last two years. So not only is Indiana looking for guys in the portal, they've now offered two guys that they would like to have as true freshmen come in. 
under Kurt Signetti. This is all expected with Coach Signetti coming in, and you knew there'd be turnover, and you knew there'd be different guys. That's why it's so important to hire so quickly, not just the portal, but also in terms of recruiting at high school level because we're approaching, what is it, next week, the early signing day, week after, something like that? I think the week after. So you have that coming up. So a lot to do for Coach Signetti, and he's trying to find at the very least who he's going to have as quarterback in his room next year. I don't think you want to be in a position where you're relying on Cherry or Mendoza next year, but you want to lay the groundwork for the years ahead. Well, again, Taven Jackson should be, if he does stay, should be one of the guys continuing for that starting job because he'll be a junior, correct? So there's there are people there. And I think the bigger question is who will the, the quarterback have to throw to? Because Donovan McCauley in the portal, I saw that he got an offer from Michigan. Um, Jalen Lucas. Cam Camper is, is moving on. So like Jalen Lucas, as you mentioned. So it's going to be tough because IU actually had pretty good receivers, right? And now it's who's going to be there at that position. All all part of the problems of, of having turnover in this area of college football is not only do you inherit a depleted roster due to the portal, but then you got to find a way to to plug those holes quickly. That and that's the thing. So IU needs to be as aggressive in the portal as they uh, as they lose guys with twenty four guys that have entered the portal, and they need to find some different difference making dues. At the very least, they don't have to play by Notre Dame rules and only take grad transfers. And, and that's super helpful. I think the the other thing with is. Indiana showed in this process that they're willing to invest in terms of NIL. $3 million in NIL money, which is mid-level money for the Big Ten. So it's competitive. Yeah, you're not going to compete with Ohio State in that aspect, but you can compete with the other schools around you in the in the conference. So that's a start. What other things do we see for Indiana as far as with Kurt Signetti? Because there weren't any specific things announced beyond that in terms of him coming to Bloomington, right? There, there were no stadium upgrades. Yes, they have the indoor facility coming in um, as far as that being a factor for the strength training. Um, that's coming on board early next year. They still need a new indoor practice facility, but the facilities for the most part are there. But will there be any other upgrades? Because it's it's an arms race in college football and you got to keep upgrading and and giving recruits, you got to, to wow them and not just, you know, be good on the field, but also have everything off the field. Let me ask you this. When you look at Kurt Signetti, and I, of course, have been critical of the hire. Uh-huh. When you look at Signetti and who he's bringing in, he's bringing in a multitude of his assistants from James Madison. He may bring in the former quarterback at James Madison. He's offering players that he offered at James Madison. I'm concerned that he's taking too much James Madison and bringing it into a Big Ten program. What James Madison did, who they recruited, who they had, is not good enough for the Big Ten. Are you concerned, as I am concerned, that there's too much James Madison coming with Kurt Signetti? I understand he's bringing in people that he's comfortable with. I just don't know if that translates to the Big Ten in terms of success. That's a great point. Um, I guess I'm not concerned yet because it doesn't seem like that's the only route that he's looking at. I, I understand it with a, from a staff perspective. People hire people they know, right? 
And which I understand. I I get that. I, like they're he's keeping the offensive line coach Bob Bostad on, which is good. Former Wisconsin offensive line coach. I thought that was a good hire for Indiana when they made it, and and it played out well over the course of the season. Um, so if if he was dumping everyone, yeah, I'd be concerned, but. I guess I'm not concerned because it's still early. And, and again, we're not even getting rumblings of players that IU is targeting in the portal, right? It's so early. Like this first week, he's still building his staff, getting everything lined up, obviously still out there recruiting. We're, we're not seeing, at least I haven't seen many leaks of targets that they're going after in the portal as far as players to keep an eye on. So it's early. I know I'm not panicking yet in terms of, you know, is he going to get anyone? Are, are, is Indiana going to fill these spots? It's it's too early for that. But it is a reason to be cautious. So pan, I, I get it. People want to panic because oh, they're not they're not getting any anyone in the portal, or you know, they're only going after James Madison players and coaches. It we're not even through the first week of this. <laughs> the portal opened on Monday, and he was hired what last Thursday? Yeah, last Friday. So. We're not. We're we're one weekend. I, I think it's too early to to press that panic button. I just think it's a it's a uh, area to watch. Yes. I no. That that I agree with because well, he, here's the thing. James Madison was in a much smaller conference. They'd moved up from FCS to FBS a, a couple of years prior. They were winning at a successful rate. They were even beating FBS schools at that. So I, I don't know if it's as far off as we think. Now, would they get? Would a James Madison get crushed by pretty much any Big Ten team? Yes, they would, uh, except the the bottom of the barrel programs. I mean, that's just the reality. Yeah. But I, I think you just you you got to plug these spots. I also don't know because this was the selling point for me. He had thirteen winning seasons and thirteen seasons as a head coach. Can he do that at Indiana in year one? I don't know because of all the losses in the portal. I have my doubts. But the uh, schedule does set up where yeah. it is very possible, despite all the additions in the Big Ten, to get to a bowl game again. I do think with the amount of players lost in the portal and how difficult it is to find a, a multitude of dudes to replace those guys in the portal, especially at a place like Indiana, that... I'm willing to give, and I have, of course I say this now, but I'll be very critical next fall, of course. But if this is a three, four win football team next year, that we have to wait and see. It's not like I have higher expectations for Ryan Walters in year one for Purdue than I do Kurt Signetti in year one. Y- at y- yes, I, I did as well because Purdue was coming off a good season. They got a stud quarterback, at least we thought, in the transfer portal and kept a similar offensive philosophy. Yes, there are new coaches, but you knew there are talented players that could plug into an air raid offense. Yeah. I I look at it with, with Ryan Walters and I'm concerned about Purdue and not many other people are, but I am after four wins and what we've seen over the course since, since then. And during that season, if I, you and Kurt Signetti go out and win four games next season, I'm not feeling the same about Indiana that I do about Purdue right now. There's a lot more to build back up. Now, IU did have some some good pieces last season, but I, to me, I never felt like... Did, did you feel like it, w- it was a player problem, a personnel problem as far as the players? I always felt like it was always a coaching problem. 
They had once they figured yes. out the quarterback situation because they've been able to tout those top tw- thirty recruiting classes yeah. over the last couple years. I mean, they have talent. Look at that wide. We just mentioned three dudes with Cam Camper and Jalen Lucas and uh, Donovan McCall- McCauley. Yeah, McCauley. All three dudes that I think would play and start for the majority of teams in the Big Ten, maybe outside of the top two. So. I think they have talent. They have enough talent to consistently win six games. I think that's the thing. We're not saying they have enough talent to compete in the top half of the Big Ten. We're not saying that. But they have enough talent to win six games, and they haven't been able to. And now you're seeing an exodus of some of that talent, and I'm not sure in just one calendar year, Signetti can do enough to replace that. If you have 12 or 13 guys in the portal, maybe. 24 as of right now, and then as you mentioned, you get into the spring, and you'll probably have a couple more. I mean, you're looking at upwards of 30 guys outside the portal and he's not Deion Sanders and even then Colorado didn't get to bowl eligibility <laughs> this year uh, coaches are, are touting even worse uh, season ahead for Colorado oh. we'll see because again it's all coaches talking behind the scenes trying to, to tear someone down sure. I understand how that works but for, for Kurt Signetti look this is a situation where I feel like he has time to build uh, unfortunately, IU, as far as the player personnel, well, personnel, they're leaving in the portal, and rightfully so. I, I understand why guys leave in these situations. So it, it's going to take some time to build back up. But again, non-conference is a joke. FIU, Western Illinois, Charlotte. You got to win all three of those. Uh, you have at UCLA in between uh, some of those games. You host Maryland. That always seems like the barometer game, right? Every year for Indiana. Seems like it. At Northwestern, you host Nebraska, and then you get to some of the big dogs. You host Washington and Michigan. You travel to Ohio State, and then you host Purdue and, and, and uh, go to Michigan State. So, I, I mean, to me, there's still a path to six wins. You, you got to start four and one, perhaps even five and one, before you get into uh, the, the bye week. There's a path. But yep. every year there's a path, and then they they find a way to not cross that path. Yeah, it's a um, it's a, it's definitely a a possibility for Indiana and Coach Kurt Signetti to replace all the guys that they have. But it's more likely that next year is very much going to be a transition year in that sense, with the roster turnover, him bringing in his guys, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If they can get to bowl eligibility next year. He would be my coach of the year in the Big Ten. Oh, without a doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I I, I fully agree. I mean, it, it would be quite the accomplishment. And he's a guy who's won everywhere he's been. So I guess maybe why start doubting him now? It's it, it, but he's in the even most, though it's Indiana football. He is the in the most challenging situation of his career because it's Indiana football and it's big boy football in the Power Four. Coming up on the other side, the NBA in-season tournament court in Vegas even causing issues. He'll explain what's going on here next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. You're playing music to get us uh, to get us rolling here. I feel much better than I did at 701. Uh, and morning. I see the sun now. Yeah, the sun is out. I mean, you could almost you could almost tease yourself and think it's warm out. I mean, it's not, but <laughs> Looks good. Out. Don't you love that? Like the like twenty degree days when it's the sky is perfectly clear and sunny in the winter. It's freezing, but at least the sun is out. That's my yeah, thing. At least we see true. the sun, and we see the sun this morning. Big night in sports. 
Tonight? The NBA in-season tournament semifinals in Las Vegas. Uh-oh. Get excited. The Pacers tip at 5 o'clock, which... Why are they tipping at 5 o'clock Eastern for a game in Vegas? I don't know. It's just stupid. Like, you couldn't do this at 7 and I'm sure they're trying to 10. do it. Yeah, who knows? Like, it just... It doesn't make sense from getting viewers. Uh, but but whatever. Um, that one on, on ESPN. So the Pacers get another national TV game. Go figure. Uh, but the Lakers, who are playing in the late game against the Pelicans, uh, they're having to deal with some issues due to the court itself. So the Lakers are 4-0 this year in their uh, city edition uniforms, which uh, are, are black. Uh-huh. And they can't wear those due to the court design of the visuals. Yes, it'd be... Uh... <laughs> It would clash. It would clash with the court, so they cannot wear them. Um, they are four and zero when winning, yeah. wearing so their is, city is this, edition. Is this a bad sign for LA tonight? <laughs> uh, maybe they have to wear their. Can, can you imagine if somehow, some way, the in-season tournament championship game becomes Pacers and Pelicans, and how mad the executives at the <laughs> NBA and the NBA media who hate small markets, right? Uh, would be if this were to happen. That's where, and I would think it would be tremendous for that to happen. And hopefully that would get a big number. I mean, it won't get as big a number as, as LA, uh, but hopefully. I, I mean, to me, I'm, I'm rooting for chaos and we knew this tournament would have the opportunity for chaos. The Pacers have, have blitzed their way through this. Now in, in games that aren't in season tournament games, they've been very hit or miss. Don't get me wrong. But I just find this hilarious that the Lakers, um, I, I don't know, superstitious or not, but they're going to have to wear their boring gold icon jerseys. Yeah, those, ones you those all boring know. ones, right? <laughs> and we'll see if it's a factor tonight for LA at T-Mobile Arena for the in-season tournament uh, semifinals. So the Pacers game's at five? Yes. Ugh. Yeah, like I, I just, I don't understand that. But we'll see what they can do tonight. See if they can get to the finals. We shall see. Where are they playing out there? T-Mobile, where the oh, okay. the the um, Golden Knights, Golden Knights play. play. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. It was right off the strip. T-Mobile That's right. Arena. So uh, again, we we all crapped on this thing, but I feel like it's gotten more buzz than we would have guessed. Now, will that carry over to year two? I don't know. Not sure. But we'll see. But because the Pacers are in it, I think that's provided and a you noticeable are, bump. You are staying with your thing. If the Pacers win this thing, you yes. should have a parade. Oh, raise a banner, have a parade. <laughs> I have no problem. Look, I mean, I mean, look, look about Pacers history. Like that, like they can the title came in the ABA, right? Did they yeah, win a title? Yeah, the yeah they won multiple titles in the ABA, and and only one NBA Finals appearance in franchise history. So to me, yeah, it's a big deal. One, because the, the players are getting huge bonuses, so they think it's a big deal. Yeah. They're motivated to play for it. The fans, the, the Pacers can finally win something for the first time in several years. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, what banner have they put up recently other than retiring numbers or anything? Central it's Division for, champions, I don't know. Yeah, I'm That'd sure. That'd be the most so, recent thing I can think of. Put an NBA Cup banner up, put it right next to your ABA championship banners, whatever. <laughs> Let's go, but they got to win tonight. First over the Bucks to go to the Which finals. Is going to be tough. Yes. Obviously. But, you know, they beat Boston. Why not Milwaukee? Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things up here on a Thursday. 
Final chance to enter to win Comets tickets for tomorrow night. Again, just text Oilers to 46862 for a four-pack of Comets tickets. Uh, On the other side, a Florida animal found napping at a country club. I'll explain what's going on here next. Caleb McKinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Final time here on a Thursday. Caleb and Kinney in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Uh, so I didn't even know this animal like was still in Florida, but a Florida panther mm. was found hanging out, napping at a Florida country club. Uh, deputies were called to the uh, Bonita National Country Club on report of a Florida panther sleeping behind some shrubs near a stairwell. So deputies came, panther was taken into custody, then returned to its natural habitat after a veterinary examination. But Florida panthers listed as an endangered species under the Endangered Species Act with only about 120 to 230 adult panthers believed to currently live across Florida and parts of Georgia. Huh. So, I mean, I, I get it. Everyone wants to, you know, country club, take a nap, understandably so. Now, it says, if encountered, the advice for people is not to run, since this may stimulate the panther's instinct to chase. Instead, it is best to stand and face the animal and make eye contact. So basically, have a staring contest with the panther. You're you're willing to stare down a panther? No. Most Florida panthers will avoid a confrontation. In the event of being attacked, an individual should fight back. (laughs) What? What a concept. Without turning their back. Further, there's never been a reported panther attack in Florida. However, in western states, people have been attacked and fought back successfully with rocks, sticks, and even their bare hands. Huh. Odd that there's never been one in Florida, but in other states, there have been. Yes. I mean, are there panthers in... Yes, there are panthers in the Big Cypress National Reserve in the Everglades. Okay. Which is in Florida, of course. Yeah. And now there is some out west. I'm looking at it. What about here. like in like North Carolina? I think it's talking about like different panthers, not necessarily the Florida panthers, but different species of panther. Uh, but, but no, the Florida no, no, panther no, no, is no native panthers to in Carolina. Well, uh, <laughs> besides that's the a good question. Team. Well, there, I don't, some people would argue there aren't even Carolina panthers of the football team. Um, but let's see, Carolina panther. Now it's all coming up, Carolina panthers. They they had sightings, but I don't know if. Um. Yeah, they, they. I want to see the Panthers take on. They do not exist in North Carolina. So the so so that's false. Phonetically Bobcats, false. Uh, are found in North Carolina, but not Panthers. Which again, that's get gets back to the which one is which, right? Because you have Panthers, Pumas, Bobcats, Cougars. Yeah, what's what? Yeah. I can't tell. They're all they're all cats that you Big don't want to mess with. Uh, but I would say that the Cougars or the the Florida Panthers team up with the Gators to take on the Snakes <laughs> in Florida. Sci-fi movie coming soon. That wraps it up for us today. If you missed uh, the podcast or if you missed the interview with Comets head coach Jesse Kalki, check it out on the podcast. Look for it around 1030 this morning on your favorite podcasting platform. Also, last chance, text Oilers to 46862 to be in the running for a four-pack of tickets to see the K's and the Oilers tomorrow night at the Coliseum. For Justin Guinea, I'm Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick Show up next. The Herd with Colin Coward at noon. 
Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4 and the Sports Rush from 4 to 6. All here today on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.